0: Chapter 67 The Dominion Al-Mulk In the name of God, the Most Compassionate, the Most Merciful. Exalted is He in whose hand is the Dominion of the Universe, and who has power over all things. This chapter begins by discussing the seven heavens God's dominion and the dual role of the seven heavens and concludes by talking about soil and groundwater, all of which are signs of God's all-comprehensive and infinite mercy. Tabaraka! Exalted is He! Which inaugurates this chapter, refers to the blessings of God's dominion and kingdom. The various words derived from this root signify providing service and comfort. Barakat, blessings, derived from the same root, indicates goodness and kindness. The phrase in whose hand should not be taken literally, for here, hand refers to God's dominion and willpower that govern the world. The divine epithet, Qadir, determining all things, declares that God decrees everything in due measure. This world is subservient to His rules and laws, which bring order and thus negate chaos, so that everything occupies its proper place. Who has created death and life in order to test you? Which of you is better in performing the most benevolent deed? He is the Mighty, the Forgiving. The verse refers to death as one of God's creations. The fact that death is actually a transformative process as opposed to an abrupt end in destruction should serve as a warning to those who assume that the latter is the case. A fitting analogy is that of a silkworm, which lives for a brief time as an insect and then spins a cocoon around itself and enters a grave-like environment for several weeks. But even though it appears to be dead, it is actually metamorphosing into a butterfly. The phrase, in order to test you which of you is better in performing the most benevolent deed, answers humanity's deepest question. What is the purpose of life and death? This test is not concerned with the number of deeds performed, quantitative, for the purpose of creation is to engage in kinder and more virtuous deeds, qualitative. This indicates creation's real purpose an opportunity for humans to show who engages in the most benevolent deeds. If people lived forever, they would have far less incentive to reflect upon the quality of their actions. But knowing that their time on earth is limited, they should strive to make the most of the time allotted to them. The verse's last part, He is the Mighty, the Forgiving, emphasizes a crucial point. God is forgiving, despite being mighty and powerful, whereas powerful individuals are less forgiving and more prone to retaliate. Who created seven heavens, one above the other? You will not detect any disharmony in the creation of the compassionate. Look again. Can you see any flaws? Seven heavens, here, like other verses that contain this phrase, refers to the successive protective and onion-like layers of Earth's atmosphere. Each protective layer possesses specific traits. For example, the stratosphere, which contains a thin ozone layer, absorbs most of the sun's harmful radiation. The subtle point to consider here is that God, out of his infinite compassion created such layers to enable life on earth to be possible and for human to survive. Therefore, no tafawut, disharmony, can be found in his creation, for every element of it plays a specific role that is in harmony with all of the others. The Quran employs imperative language in Look again, to enjoin humanity to reflect on God's creation. Have you ever found disproportion, disharmony, or any flaw in the heavens using even the most technologically advanced equipment? In fact, the more people discover about the properties of the sky and celestial bodies, the more they admire it. Look again and again. Until your vision is weakened and defeated. This metaphorical language underscores the impossibility of humanity's attempts to find any faults in God's creative power. It is important to remember that these verses, which were revealed in a backward tribal society without scientific knowledge, draw attention to previously unknown subjects. These verses clearly show that the Quran is not the product of a human mind, but rather a timeless divine revelation that includes subject matter aimed at future generations. We have adorned the heavens closest to earth with luminous bodies and made them missiles for stoning the devils. We have prepared for them the punishment of a blazing fire. After discussing the seven heavens, we turn to the lowest region of the one closest to Earth, namely the sky's lowest part. The atmosphere's high concentration of oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen enables us to see our planet's alluring azure sky. Stars seem to twinkle because light refracts as it travels through this dense atmosphere, an attribute of light that also creates beautiful colors at both dawn and dusk. Only we can enjoy this beautiful kaleidoscope, for beyond Earth's atmosphere the sky resembles a blackboard covered with scattered chalk dust. The Quran uses shaitan, Devils, to describe any creature that distances itself from God's mercy by transgressing the limits of its essence. In general, anything that violates the natural order and strays from its literal or figurative orbit, ordained path, has become harmful and so may be called shaitan. This is why the millions of meteors that collide nightly with Earth's atmosphere are called shayatin. Therefore, the seven heavens have a dual role. They adorn the atmosphere for Earth's inhabitants and protect the planet from potentially harmful matter intruding from outer space. Thus, we made them missiles for stoning the devils allegorical, likening the phenomenon of meteors colliding with earth's atmosphere. And consequently, we have prepared for them the punishment of a blazing fire, concludes the verse by describing how these meteors are burned and destroyed. For those who disbelieve in their Lord is the punishment of hell. What a wretched destination! As God's laws are applied universally, humanity is subject to the same laws that govern nature. Objects that transgress their purpose and, either literally or metaphorically, leave their prescribed orbits face friction and collision. Therefore, people must behave in a manner and move in a direction in harmony with their soul, which God has determined. When they are thrown in it, they will hear it blaring as it boils over. Shahiq signifies the sudden blaring sound made by a fire when fuel is poured on it. This particular metaphor leaves an impression on readers' minds. As it boils over should be understood figuratively, for verses on heaven and hell are symbolic and allegorical. Whenever the events mentioned occur in a different realm, the Quran is compelled to resort to examples from this world to stress their seriousness and that humans should be concerned about their fate. Practically bursting with rage. Whenever a group is cast therein, its keepers ask them, did a warner not come to you? Whenever a group of unbelievers is thrown into the fire, the keepers, agents who are in charge of hell, ask them this specific question. They reply, Indeed, a warner came to us, but we rejected him and said, God has not revealed anything. Truly, you are in great error. Dhalal refers to a person who is deluded and simple-minded. Thinking that only such a person would believe in fantastical fables and that prophets receive revelations from heaven, the unbelievers ridiculed those who believe in heaven and hell and that people will one day be recompensed according to their conduct in life. Do we not hear the same kind of arguments these days from those who regularly denigrate religion and faith, parroting almost exactly what this verse says? They say, If only we had listened or reasoned, we would not now be among the inhabitants of the blazing fire. When the unbelievers speak of listening, this can refer to anything communicated through words, or basically, the wisdom derived from, listening to, and contemplating from which has been narrated. Reasoning, however, refers to innate wisdom and rational capacity that distinguish people from animals. In other words, people become aware of truth either through words or by applying their innate intelligence and wisdom. Thus, they will confess to their sins, but far removed from mercy are the inhabitants of the blazing fire. Suhaq Remote connotes being distant from God's mercy, the worst affliction and the most wretched destiny imaginable. Surely, for those who fear their Lord, although unseen, there is forgiveness and a great reward. By remembering God in their hearts, people act conscientiously, whether in public or in private. Some people refrain from doing certain things in public out of fear of being censored and rebuked, such as disobeying traffic laws when the police are not around, whereas conscientious people control themselves and follow their conscience. Thus, believers stand in awe of God, and try to do as he wills, regardless of their situation. And because of this steadfastness, they are the ones who will be forgiven and rewarded. Whether you keep your opinion secret or speak openly, indeed he knows what people conceal in their breasts. No knowledge can be concealed from God, even if it is in people's minds, The seat of secrets even if no words are spoken we can only see or hear an object after many internal physiological processes enabling our brain to decode what our eyes and ears have sensed in other words we only become aware of our sensory perceptions after our brain cells have finished their tasks yet by that time God already has detailed and complete knowledge of the results. How could he not know, being the one who created? He is the subtle, the all-aware. In the Quran, Latif represents subtlety, precision, and discernment. Khabir which in everyday Arabic typically means an expert in something, is used here to emphasize God's awareness of minute details. He is the one who made earth manageable for you, so traverse all of its remote corners and eat of his provision, and to him will be the resurrection. One can traverse Earth because its outer layer is solid ground, as opposed to being dusty, which impedes movement, or entirely rocky, which impedes plant growth. Our planet evolved and became manageable for humanity, and thus we can travel to all of its corners by roads, ships, and other means of transport, and eat of his boundless provisions. We are to enjoy these blessings and opportunities for a fixed time, after which he will summon us back to return to him. The Quran now moves on to remind humanity of several facts via a few rhetorical questions. Do you feel secure that he who is in the heaven will not make earth swallow you up when it quakes violently? Have you somehow become secure from the one who holds authority over heaven and earth? Do you not realize that life would be impossible if earth experienced constant convulsions? Why do you not reflect on who has granted you such a blessing? Or do you feel secure that he who is in the heaven will not send a storm of stones like a tornado or a whirlwind upon you. Then you will know what my warning means. Could life be sustained if volcanoes were constantly spewing lava, or if violent whirlwinds were continually pelting you with sand, dust and pebbles? Those before them rejected the message. How terrible was my reproach! Do they not see the birds above them spreading and closing their wings? None upholds them except the compassionate, for he sees all things. Who has granted birds their light and flexible wings so they can fly? Is it someone other than the compassionate? This verse proclaims the compassionate exclusive power to keep birds in the sky at a level that neither disturbs their flight patterns nor causes them to plummet to the ground. They fly at certain altitudes and, at times, passively ride the air currents. How can any of these be ascribed to anything but God's willpower? Is this not the way human lives on earth? Is humanity not suspended between heaven and earth? Hundreds of physical laws, including gravity, have collectively created an environment on earth that can sustain human life. Thus, humanity's preservation is another sign of his compassion. What force is there to help you aside from the compassionate? Truly, The unbelievers are only deluded. Who is your true benefactor and protector if not the compassionate? Do you imagine that those upon whom you rely can actually help you? Instead of relying only upon God, people are drawn to powerful and affluent people because attaining protection through their power is alluring. However, this verse exposes this false supposition by questioning whether such worldly forces are viable substitutes for the compassionate support and protection. The ungrateful unbelievers reject the truth and are deluded by their failure to realize that only God is their true guardian. All of nature's various forces, as well as powerful people, are His creations and therefore totally subservient to His will. Who will provide for you if He withholds His provision? Yet still they persist in their insolence and aversion to the truth. The previous verse explains that our desire to avoid harm draws us to those we perceive are powerful whereas this one reminds us that seeking rizq, livelihood, motivates us to ask others, like our employers, to provide it in return for our labor. We thereby tend to forget that God, the provider, is the sole source of true help and protection. Although only God can meet all of our needs and thereby enable us to survive, Humanity's delusion of autonomy causes people to rebel and separate themselves from the compassionate. Is one who walks, fallen on his face, more guided than one who walks upright on a straight path? Who is more guided? Those who crawl with their gazes lowered to the ground, or those who look straight ahead and set their sights on the horizon? This simple question indicates the existence of two kinds of people self centered individuals who are attached to the material world and preoccupied with their interests and baser instincts, and forward thinking individuals who set goals and are focused on the hereafter. While members of the first group become stuck due to their obsession with life's baser aspects, members of the second group set their sights on loftier horizons and remain vigilant. The next verse explains who has enabled humanity to discern the straight path and true guidance. Say, He is the one who brought you into being and endowed you with hearing, sight and understanding. How little you give thanks! In Creation implies creating from nothingness of something that had no prior existence. God endowed people with eyes, ears, and hearts so they can connect with the external world as one of His most important blessings. The Quran says humanity has been blessed with a high degree of understanding through the agency of eyes, ears, and a heart, center a faculty of discernment, that exists in no other species. Only people can deduce general conclusions from incomplete or imperfect information, because only they can reason, think, plan, and learn. Finally, this verse reminds us that we must be continually grateful to the One who has endowed us with the blessings guidance and knowledge say he is the one who multiplied you on earth and back to him you will be gathered the command say emphasizes the education offered by the Quran the figure used here for the creator who granted you life and multiplied you on earth is that of a farmer who scatters seeds on the land but then we are told that back to him you will be gathered humanity will be rewarded in the hereafter with the fruit of the seeds it has planted and grown on the land and they ask when will this promise be fulfilled if you are truthful Beginning with this verse, the discussion changes from the assertion of divine unity to the hereafter. So often has its existence been doubted that people would ask the prophets and their adherents when this promise would be fulfilled, or how a dead person who has turned to dust could live again. Say, only God has sure knowledge of it. I am only a clear warner." The Quran emphatically states that Muhammad does not know when this event will occur, for that knowledge is unique to God. For example, if people knew that it would occur 1000 years in the future, most likely they would be very relaxed and unconcerned. But if they knew that it could occur within the next two months, most likely they would begin preparing for it. How people respond to this ambiguity is a clear litmus test for determining whether or not they are believers. But when they see it come close, the faces of those who disbelieve will be downcast, and it will be said, this is the promise for which you were calling. They will be told that this is the answer to their above-mentioned sarcastic question. Sad news tends to turn faces dark and gloomy, whereas happy news brightens them. Say to them, have you considered this, whether God destroys me and those with me, or has mercy on us? Who can save the unbelievers from severe punishments? The believers know... That their fate is in his hands but upon whom can the unbelievers rely and what can they do on that day when they do not even believe in it say he is the compassionate we believe in him and in him we put our trust soon you will know who is in clear error once again the discussion concerns humanity's salvation, and thus God's nature as the compassionate is mentioned. This chapter, among others, addresses God's attribute of compassion, but not his divinity or lordship, because salvation is yet another sign unique to his compassion. There is no compulsion, and time will show who has been in clear error. The last verse concludes the chapter's message in very clear and lucid language. Say, have you considered, if all of your water were to disappear into the ground, who then could restore flowing water? Earth's outer layer has amazing properties. If it were like impenetrable igneous rocks, then water would either flow directly into the oceans and seas, or evaporate. If it consisted solely of very soft soil, then water would penetrate deeply into the ground, where it would also evaporate due to the intense heat of the planet's inner core. We usually take such wonders for granted, even though they ensure our survival, Water accumulates in aquifers for hundreds of years such that, even if it does not rain for many years, the stored water can be accessed by deep wells and used for many decades. Melting snow and rainwater that refills aquifers is calculated in the proper measure, which points to the fact that the ground storage capacity has been providentially determined the chapter begins by discussing the heaven's various levels and ends by mentioning land and aquifers, both of which are indicative of the signs of God's infinite mercy, because water is the source of human life and other existence. As such, this verse can be taken as the most lucid and clear-cut verse on God's boundless and universal mercy.